Did you have economics in your high school? Is this home ec or is this economics? Do you say economics or economics? I say economics. I think I say economics too. (laughs) Back to you, Bob. Hello and welcome to Back to You, Bob, a Dawson's Creek podcast. We are your hosts, Christina and Micah, and this is episode 203, Alternative Lifestyles, which aired on October 21st, 1998. Wow. The fall of 1998. What a magical time. Felicity was on. Dawson's was back. I was in the Scranton Prep production of Our Town. (laughs) Well, anyway... This is a great episode. It's a great episode. I hate the titles of season two, but wow. They're very boring. Very on the nose. We should have stuck to the movie theme. What are we drinking? What's the Dawson's drink? We are drinking a cocktail called Seduction. It is one ounce of red wine, two ounces of rye whiskey, a half ounce of blackcurrant liqueur, and a half ounce of lemon juice. What What an interesting little concoction. (laughs) <laughs> I love the name Seduction. Very blunt, very on the nose. Much like Jen in this episode, which we'll get into. Oh yeah, baby. Well, why don't you dive right in? All right, so let's get into the recap for episode 203, Alternative Lifestyles. So this episode opens a little differently than previous episodes, and it opens with Dawson and Mitch outside the Leary house. So Mitch is taking down the ladder that leads to Dawson's window because he doesn't want Joey coming and going anymore. They've been a little too hot and heavy for Mitch's liking, like we saw in the last episode. But Dawson says that he is a sexual being, and he will one day have sex, and Mitch needs to come to terms with that. Mitch is not ready for this at all, and he does not like this, and he later catches Joey sneaking into Dawson's bedroom, and he kicks her out. So the next day at school, all of our kids are in the same economics class, and they're given an assignment where they need to pretend to be married and role play as a family and come up with a budget for a sustainable lifestyle. So Andy and Pacey get paired together. Dawson and Jen are paired together as a married couple as well. And Joey is the odd woman out. So she is going to have the role of a single working mother for this project. So Pacey and Andy are really annoyed that they're paired together because they do not get along, as we've seen. And Dawson and Joey are really bummed that they weren't put together as a married couple. And Jen is very happy because with Abby's help, she's going to use this project as an excuse to try and seduce Dawson and break up him and Joey. So after a couple failed attempts to seduce Dawson during these study sessions, Jen ends up telling Dawson that she's available for him when he gets bored of virginal Joey. And Dawson says he doesn't know what happened to Jen. You know, she's not acting like herself at all. He's with Joey now and she needs to accept it. And Jen says that she accepts that he's with Joey now. She accepts their relationship, but she does not respect it. So Pacey and Andy, meanwhile, are doing some research into what life as a working class couple would be like. And they go apartment hunting together. And they bicker the whole episode. And a lot of it has to do with these assumptions they have of each other's lifestyle. And it blows up when Pacey keeps making these digs that Andy is a rich and spoiled princess. And she really freaks out and rips into him. And Pacey ends up asking Jack, Andy's brother, about why she freaked out. And Jack tells Pacey that he cannot be more wrong about Andy. Sure, they've had some money and their family had some money in the past, but those days are long gone. Jack doesn't want to get into it, but he says they're not rich and she's not spoiled. And he would not be working at Joey's restaurant, the Ice House, if they were. So Joey, meanwhile, has been bickering with Bessie the whole episode. It's health inspection week at the Ice House. And Bessie's really stressed out. She needs Joey's help. But Joey's really busy with schoolwork in this project in particular. Bessie is really excited when she finds out that Joey has the role of a single working mother. She says that she's practically a single working mother herself and offers herself as a resource. But Joey kind of blows her off and says, you know, that's a really good idea. I should speak to a really successful working single mother. And Bessie's offended. But Joey meets a woman who acts as her mentor. And this woman is an artist and she works in architecture and design. And she and Joey really hit it off. And Joey finally gets a career interest because she really might have a natural eye for this. So meanwhile, when it comes to Mitch and Gail, you know, last we saw them last week, he threw out the idea that they maybe should have an open marriage, which really upset Gail. 
So after Mitch sees Gail have a very platonic and professional interaction with a coworker, he realizes that this open marriage is the only thing he can do to get over his jealousy and anger. Because while that interaction with the coworker was very innocent to Gail, it really triggered something in Mitch. Mitch pretty much throws down that Thursday nights will be the night for their open marriage, where they each go out separately, and the only rule they have is that they need to be honest about it. So that Thursday, neither one has a super successful evening, but they actually kind of end up lying to each other about how well it went. So at the end of the episode, Pacey and Andy end up making up when Pacey does the entire assignment by himself for the both of them, and he kind of saves the day there. And the last image we see is the two of them bonding and laughing and walking away from the school as Miss Jacobs watches them from her car. So it's a little bit of a cliffhanger that we're not really used to on this show. Such a good episode. First of all, it's an Abby Morgan episode. So the jokes, the jokes. And we have two heavy hitters in the writer and director slot for this episode. We have Mike White and David Semmel, both back. Mike White wrote three episodes last season. He will be with us for six episodes this season. David Semmel has already directed one episode this season. He directed two episodes last season, and he has a total of seven episodes this season. So We've covered both of them extensively. They're both still working, still relevant. Mike White, we know from White Lotus most recently, which is so, so, so good. David Semmel is just coming off directing the show Silo for Apple TV+. I should have freaking known it was a Mike White episode because it was so good. And I can tell you that I was watching ahead to next episode for a second. I just let it play. And I was like, man, this episode is so good too. And I didn't clock that it was also written by Mike White. He just has such good Abby zingers. He also just has like a really like cheeky way of talking about sex. The banter, we talked about it. The banter is just good. He's just such a good dialogue writer. The other thing that I loved is there's this little runner about, there are two jocks in the high school who are also in this class and they get paired together as a gay couple and they have to plan a wedding and they have to do, there are like all of these things given them to them by the teacher. And It's just so well planted because Jen and Abby are walking by them and Abby's like, oh, which one of those two would you like to sleep with? Or I forget the context, but she she gives us their background without shoving it down her throats. So we know that these two guys are two jocks, two friends. And then when they get assigned this same sex couple who's planning a wedding, we're like, oh, that's probably something that they wouldn't be excited about. You know, like it's just subtly planted i don't know i just thought it was really well done yeah there's a few quotes in this episode where we quoted them in high school like i and i remember them word for word still it's one of the ones is when abby is trying to convince jen to seduce dawson and jen is saying oh no like he's so in love with joey look and they look across the cafeteria and joey and dawson are all over each other and abby says something like oh he's a 15 year old boy like he doesn't know what love is He's just like horny all the time. He goes to bed jerking his gherkin and wakes up pumping the mattress. (laughs) My friends and I used to quote that all. I feel like it was like in like our AIM profiles or something. It was just, (laughs) it was such a relevant quote to our lives. She's got good zingers. And then she also has, I don't know, she just is so quick. Like the combination of Mike White and Monica Kina playing Abby is perfection. It's so so good. good. It was so good. And then another quote I remember is Fiji. I totally do Fiji. (laughs) I feel like this was one of the first times I ever heard of Fiji. So whenever I hear Fiji, I always think of this episode. I have no idea why. (laughs) But yes, I totally agree. Monica Kina and Mike White are just, it's just like magic, TV magic, certainly teen TV magic. Hollywood, baby. The other quote I really love is when Pacey, I could just hear him saying it when he was like, when he's yelling at Andy and he, she says, I had no idea. And he's like, of course you didn't have any idea. You were too busy getting into character. I'm a sales clerk, a poor little sales clerk. Like the, it's just so Joshua Jackson, the way he says it with his tone and his inflection and so good. Anyway, a great episode. Please watch it. If you're one of those people who's like, I'm just going to watch some episodes. Yeah, this is one to watch. watch this one. I mean, what else are you watching? There's nothing good on. We're striking. The world is going to hell. Actors are striking. Our pets' heads are falling off. So, I mean, I'm actually nervous. Who's going to get the guest cast shout out? For me, today, the guest cast shout out goes to Tamara Taylor, Mm. who is Lauren Weston. She's here for good time, not a long time, but she's just so recognizable to me. 
And she's been in a million things. She was a series regular on Bones. She was in every single episode after the first season. She came on after the first season and she was in every episode. She is in the Law and Order universe. She's on organized crime, but she's also bounced between series. She got her big break as Grace on Party of Five. I remember. I remember her. I remember everything. So I... I did not like Grace, but anyway. So she plays Joey's art mentor, architecture art mentor that she interviewed for her, the school project. And she's very yes. rec- she's very recognizable. You would maybe not know her by name, but by face, certainly. She's been in movies. She's been on TV. She's had arcs on multiple series. She has one episode on multiple series. You would see her face and you would know exactly who she was. Yeah. I think she did a really great job in the role that she was given on this. And she makes a big impact on the trajectory of Joey's arc this season and kind of for the series. So I think she's someone worth noting. Yeah, Joey, this is where Joey gets her spark to pursue art, which is her big journey in the series. This is where it all kicks off. Will it lead to some drama? We don't know. We can hope. Who can say? While she might not be here a long time, she has a significant impact on the series because she's the first person to expose Joey to this art world. She's just a badass. Like, she's a single working mom, has her own business, wears flowy shirts, very put together. She sees something in Joey that she tries to bring out of her and foster. Yeah, she does always kind of play that same character, but we love that for her. (laughs) We love that for her. Stick to your strengths. Now, I thought you were going to give the guest cast shout out to Colin Fix, Mm. who plays Kenny. But you know what? He's in another episode, so maybe we can give it to him then. But either way, he plays a very significant role in One Tree Hill. He kills one of the main characters. Oh my gosh. I don't want to tell you too much because I know you haven't watched it and I really feel like you should someday and... Well, let's do him next time and you can fill me in because I did look him up and I was like, I know this guy. I don't know what I know him from, but I know him. And then I had to give it to Tamara, but very interested in Kenny. For those of you who don't watch Dawson's, but listen, but no One Tree Hill, he plays Jimmy Edwards on One Tree Hill. So that's all I have to say. There are One Tree Hill fans for clutching their pearls right now that I've said that. Not Jimmy Edwards. It's one of the best episodes of One Tree Hill. Of all 10 seasons or however the hell many it was on. Okay, so that is our guest cast shout out. (laughs) And how's your seduction? So good. Oh my God. Obviously, we called it seduction because Jen is trying to seduce Jocelyn. So what is your favorite music moment of this episode? (sighs) Honestly, none because this new music sucks. Yeah, literally none. In the original, there was Flagpole Sitta. Love it. Love it. Loved that song. Couldn't get enough. That probably would have been my pick. Was that an establishing shot scene of the school? It was in the pairing up of the people Mm -hmm. in the economics class. Okay, so what I want to know, do the new DVDs, the box set that just came out for the 25th anniversary in January, do those have the original music on it? Because if so, I'm just going to, I'm just going to buy it. I can't, I can't listen to this music anymore. It yeah. makes it so lifetimey or hallmarky. I mean, ugh, yeah, it's so cheesy. I think, and this is something that we can talk about later or on our secondary podcast, The Summer We Turned Pretty, but The Summer I Turned Pretty, the music is so good in that series right now. It's hitting in all the same ways that the music hit with Dawson's the first time I watched it. And thinking about that show without the music that's in it is just like a completely different thing. I'd rather die. I'd rather die. I'd rather die than watch The Summer I Turned Pretty without the music. The music is incredible. That show, if you guys aren't watching that show, listeners, you need to watch that show. That show is the new Dawson's Creek. (laughs) First of all, watch them all twice, but like it's all I could think about and talk about and like post about and dream about. I'm such a weirdo it's so good whatever so i'm looking up these trying to find if the dvd new dvds so i found an old season two that was released in december 2003 and it says special features brand new music selected by the executive producer (laughs) (laughs) like Uh, that's a draw special feature i don't think so okay this trash trash hate loathe 
Yeah, all around not a super strong music episode, but the episode itself is so strong, it doesn't matter. Yeah, usually I'm pretty good because I've watched season two so many times. Usually I'm pretty good at knowing like, oh, there was a really good song in this scene or, you know, Heather Nova played during this scene or whatever. But mm-hmm. there were no scenes in this episode that really stood out where the music was a crucial role in it. The first time it aired. Agreed. Do we want to do a past versus present? I haven't really thought about it. So I do have one past and present. I have to kind of go into the weeds of the episode with it a little bit. So when Mitch and Gail decide to open up their relationship on Thursday nights, he is walking through. She has a candle at dinner and she's, oh, I cooked dinner for us. And he says, oh, Gail, you know, it's Thursday. I'm going out. Our agreement. And she is very disappointed and she blows out the candles and she says, oh, gosh, it's Thursday. I completely forgot. I don't think I ever picked up on the fact that she was deliberately yeah. trying to keep him there. Yeah. Like she knows it's a Thursday. She was just trying to do something nice and get him to choose the dinner over going out on a Thursday. I I, I always thought that was just like she really forgot. And I wrote that down as a question for you, because this is the first time I ever picked up on that, too. And I was like, am I reading too much into this or is that the case? I don't know. She lights candles. She she really goes all out. I think it's a few things like, well, A, I just think we're more intelligent watchers now. You know, we're not 15, 16, 17 watching this. And B, I think we just care more about Mitch and Gail on this rewatch than we did then. So we probably didn't pay much attention to their scenes. But true. It's like a sweet last ditch effort because she's not she has not ever been on board with the open marriage. Yeah. And just to be like, all right, this is it. I'm going to convince him. And then maybe if we don't ever start the Thursday thing, then it won't ever start and everything will be fine. But it's not. Yeah. It was very cute. I mean, it was like kind of her desperate last ditch effort to get him to stay. Yeah. So no past versus presence for you? This isn't really a past versus present, but I love the storyline of the two jocks who are paired up as a same-sex couple. And they're like, what do you mean same-sex? And he's like, gay. And he's like, what do you mean gay? I love that storyline because you see them throughout the episode and they're going through real conversations and arguments that a couple would have. Like they're taking the assignment very seriously, even though you would assume that they would be the kind of people that wouldn't take the assignment seriously. And they're, they seem to be one of the most successful couples in the thing at the end of the, when they're all wrapping up, like Abby and Kenny never even got off the ground because Abby didn't ever meet with him. Andy and Pacey were on the rocks. Jen and Dawson had their own thing, whatever. But I didn't know at the time. I don't think I knew that Kevin Williamson or Mike White were gay at the time when I was watching it the first time. And I just think it was like a cute little nice thing that it wasn't like, uh, gay, what? Like they had that moment of like, what do you mean gay? But it didn't feel super derogatory to me. Did you feel that way as a gay man or... No, I totally agree with you. I think it was really freshly handled, especially for 1998. It was just two guys, two straight guys, given this role, they had to play gay parents in a class and they really leaned into it. And it was really funny and kind of cute. And they are best friends. And it was just, I was really funny. And you didn't really see that a lot then, you know? Yeah. The trope was a jock being kind of homophobic and would never, Mm -hmm. you know, I agree. I was not offended in the slightest bit. That's it for me. That's all I can think of. Let's open it up. Yeah, let's open it up. Well, first, you've already said it, but the episode starts in the yard. And this is, if I'm not wrong, the first episode that does not start in Dawson's bedroom of the series. I I believe it is, yes, the first episode that does not start in Dawson's bedroom. Although we end up there because Mitch catches Joey in the bedroom. She's snuck in and kicks her out. But yeah, we start outside, which makes you wonder, was there a scene on the cutting room floor that started in the bedroom? Then Mitch, you know, maybe Joey and Dawson were making out, hooking up. Mitch is coming. She hides. Mitch and Dawson go out. Could be. Because I believe the next episode starts in the bedroom, doesn't it? And I know last one did. And it's very dramatic and symbolic. The first shot of the episode is the ladder literally falling towards camera. Yeah. Taking down that ladder that's been there for God knows how long. That's what you get for being a sexual being. My God, I know. I was a little taken aback when Mitch asked Dawson if he and Joey are having sex. Like, whoa, do parents Correct. do that? And Dawson was unfazed by it and continued to like try to convince Mitch to let him have Joey unsupervised in his room. Like, he just steamrolled past it and kept on going. I was like, yeah, damn. He, he just so casually was like, no, <laughs> no, to. but one day, <laughs> get over it, dad. God, you're such a prude, dad. Can you imagine? We got to talk about Jen. Jen. 
She's in her villain era. She's owning her sexuality. She's wearing low-cut dresses from Abby. She's trying to seduce Dawson. She's having tete-a-tetes with Joey. She's a mess. She's a little bit unhinged. I like her here. (laughs) I like her better here than season one because she's like, you know, a character, real character. She was so flip-floppy. I just love her and Abby's... The fashion, the butterfly clips. At one point, Abby's wearing like velour track suit pants. Yes. And they're both <laughs> wearing the same black platform sandals that everyone had. Yes. There was this one scene where Abby is wearing a shirt that looks like she has like, it's like a 70s print. And like the 70s kind of came back in the late 90s for a minute. And I just, this episode was just so late 90s, early 2000s style. Mm-hmm. Like, remember when plastic furniture was like inflatable oh furniture was the thing and lava? Yes, like beads hanging from the door. I feel like so many people <laughs> yeah. had those. And the craziest thing is, Beth, producer of the show, sent over that the American Girl dolls created a doll based in late 90s, early 2000s with blow up furniture. Like, yeah. we're pioneer people. That's how old they think we are. Oh my god. Oh my god, they're not wrong. <laughs> Do you know what I noticed today? So I had a birthday, not really recently, but whatever. The the Peloton under my name now it says 40s. Oh, yeah. it's so brutal. I just noticed it now. Anyway, that is so rude. I felt attacked. Anyway, yes, the Abby Jen of this episode was just bring all of the fashion and this was a very late 90s early aughts episode just aesthetically. The hair, the fashion. The- Agreed. Did you have economics in your high school? Is this home ec or is this economics? Do you say economics or economics? I say economics. I think I say economics too. (laughs) Because in home ec, they teach you lifestyle skills, right? Life skills. Like, isn't that cooking and... Sewing. Yeah. Yeah. So this this feels more to me like... Regular economics. Economics. Which I think you would call econ. I knew you looked like you were going to say economics. <laughs> Is it economics or economics? Someone, are there any etymologists listening? Oh, here's a bone I have to pick. Who's doing Amazon's captions? They're spelling Andy wrong. That is such a good question. That should not be the case because, well, actually, that's not true. I was going to say, as someone who's worked on an Amazon show, we have an outside vendor, they take the episode, and then we give them the script as well so that they can compare and use stuff from the script to type up the captions. Mm -hmm. So they should have seen written out as it should be. But because this is an older show, like maybe the captions, I don't know. I'm sure the process wasn't the same. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Who's ever doing the captions, change it. It's anti-I. God. I think that Bessie, I really like Bessie in this episode. And I think she plays Frazzled really well. Like Nina Rapita, she's just so good. That first scene where she's like, Joey, can you go to the ice house? And can you do this? And can you do that? And oh my God, Alexandria, she was falling off. I really bought it. She felt like I feel inside most days. <laughs> yeah, the she's frantic. The health inspector's coming. The ice house needs to be wiped down. Where it's like you're literally just saying what's on your mind, like the th- listing out things you need to do because your brain is maxed out. Yeah. That's how it felt. I liked it. I thought it was a really cute Joey Bessie episode. It was very cute. Joey really offended Bessie when she did not want to use her as her mentor for the episode for the school project. And they get into a little fight later. Bessie fires Joey and Joey apologizes profusely and says it kept her up all night. And it was a very cute episode for them. I agree. But as we know, Joey still works at the Ice House in future episodes. Speaking of the Ice House, I love how slow they're playing Jack's intro. Like you're getting little dribs and drabs of Jack. And every time you see him, I don't know, I just feel so endeared to him. Like he is clumsy. Obviously, they're playing into that. But he's just like cute. He's cute. He's lovable. He gets a little vulnerable in this episode. He just seems like a nice guy, a hard worker, like willing to do whatever needs to be done. But you don't you get that from very small bits of screen time. And I forgot that. Like, in my mind, he was on the show, and then he was just, like, fully on the show, kind of how Andy is. But they really slow roll him in. I agree. I love the way they do it. It's nothing it's so good. forced. It's so natural. It's slow. It's 
It's really good. It's giving, they're just folding them in really naturally. It feels like that wouldn't happen today, but I love the McPhee's. I just think they're a good addition. I love Jack. I love Andy. Now it feels like Dawson's Creek, you know. For sure. Speaking of the McPhee's. So Andy comes into school and is like, Pacey, can I borrow your notes from the reading for class? And Pacey's like, what are you crazy? I didn't take any notes, whatever. And she's like, what if the teacher calls on me? And if you fall behind for one day, then it's just this whole slippery slope and you'll just fall behind forever. And in my mind, what I thought was, I wonder if this is what Micah was like in high school. Are you, were you Andy McVeigh? Yeah, I was pretty OCD about studying and tests and If I got one wrong, you know, I didn't cry about it, but I thought about it all day. And yeah, it was bad. Not that nerdy. I didn't have like thirst for knowledge. It was just competitive kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. Like I couldn't let anyone beat me. It wasn't that I wanted to be smart or soak up facts or have a lifetime of knowledge. I just needed to get the 100 because I needed that outside validation, which I still need. Not much has changed. (laughs) I just always needed outside. Do you know when it started? It started in eighth grade because I was kind of in like, I'd say a C student up until eighth grade. And I had this teacher, uh, she was our eighth grade grammar teacher. When she was giving back tests, she would start with the highest grade, say your name and be like, perfect paper, perfect paper. And then she would go down like, you know, Christina 99 and you'd come up and get your paper and go back. But when she got to, I think it was like 80 and below, when it got to 80 and below, she shuffled them up and then she just said your name and you came and got it. So she was incentivizing everyone to try to get as good a grade as possible. And it worked, but you knew if you were in the shuffle pile, everyone was like, oh, that's intense. You know, it was intense. She was very strict, like well-renowned in our area. And a lot of the kids who came out of our school had like, really, you know, went on to place in all these entrance exams and she was a good teacher, but it was, it worked. I mean, it worked. But anyway, I think that's where it started. I think that like public validation accolades. That makes a ton of sense. I'm very motivated in that way. Like I was just talking to my boyfriend about the Apple Watch and like how it really works for me because I know that people will see that I've done all the things. Like I've checked all the boxes off the list. Yeah. Now who sees the rings? Whoever you want. Like you can, you can invite to connect. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So when you, when you hit the three rings, does that get sent out to all of your friends? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And it'll tell you when your friends have closed all three rings and it will tell you when your friends have finished a workout. Those are the two notifications that you get. And how do you close the ring? Is it like 3000 steps or something? It's. One is calories, one is minutes of exercise, and one is standing. So it's like you have to stand at least a minute every hour. I guess it's to incentivize not like sitting or laying around all day. Okay, cool. But anyway, a public show or like a public competition, whatever, that really motivates me. So I see how that affected you. I can understand. Yeah, it was those, again, it was those formative years where a little moment can live on in your head forever and be a big deal from your vantage point and no one else's, you know? And I think that it was just one of those things, you know, I'm sure some kids didn't care that they were publicly being, you know, shamed, but that was when eighth grade was when I really kicked it up a notch. So when I was in high school, I was in full-blown nerd mode, pretty much. I loved this assignment. I thought it was really practical, real world. Obviously it's all hypothetical and whatever, and they're just figuring it out, but I don't know. It's better than reminded me of those memes that are like oh thank god i learned the pythagorean theorem and not how to balance a checkbook or whatever like i don't know it just felt very practical so we could talk more about that so pacey and andy are paired together his fictional job that he's given is a truck driver hers is a sales clerk and they have two kids and their big thing is they're moving or they need to find a new place to stay so she's pitching finding house where they could all have a bedroom and he that's why he kind of thinks she's a spoiled princess and she's never had problems and he's saying we should like rent an apartment i should be allowed to get a nice car so that's kind of their situation joey is a working single mother like we said now dawson and jen's i forget dawson and jen are a rich couple who have i think two kids they're sending them to college yeah so everyone's kind of given different occupations and different phases of life and different incomes and And then, gosh, we need to talk about Abby, Morgan, and Kenny (laughs) being paired together. We talked about it a little bit, but Abby, again, is our villain, the devil on Jen's shoulder, and she was paired with this 
Kenny Reeling character who is, this is the first time we're seeing him. He's buttoned up. He wears like short sleeve flannel shirts. They yeah. set him up as straight A nerd character. Abby's dodging him the whole episode. He keeps asking her, you know, we should work on the project. And she says like, ew, you know, can't you do it for me? I have a very demanding social life, which is funny. And then he tries to get her to do it again and she brushes him off. And then at the end, he hands <laughs> he hands in the project and <laughs> he says to the teacher, you know, just so you know, Abby didn't help me at all. <laughs> she says that he was like drooling and he had snot all over. I couldn't be near him. <laughs> oh, my God. I love Abby. <laughs> okay. There's another really funny part with Kenny and Abby where... Abby's trying to convince Jen to go after, you know, Dawson and screw Joey. She's a virgin. She's so boring. And Abby's like, Jen, Joey can't hold a candle to you. Like, look, Kenny, what do you think of Joey Potter? <laughs> Kenny's, like, <laughs> Kenny's like, oh, she thought. <laughs> Wait, Abby says, up. what do you know? You're practically wall-eyed. <laughs> I was in tears. <laughs> Wait, she turns to Kenny for... Like, you know, confirmation, affirmation, what she's saying. And he just says, oh, Joey Potter, she's hot. <laughs> the way she fires back. Oh, my. I was. And it's just so like, she's so certain that he's going to say whatever. Yes. Like something. And he's just so quick to be like, oh, she's hot. And it's so funny. It's so funny. It was the perfect interaction. <laughs> it really made me laugh. Yeah, I just loved the assignment. Really cute. Also for that time, kind of aspirational. Like, didn't you want your school to do that project? Yeah. And they didn't. But also it's a very, I don't know the timeline of this episode, but it's a lot of intense research. And Andy and Pacey were literally going to apartments and looking at real life scenarios. It's a lot of legwork. I believe if I got the timeline right, I believe this episode takes place Monday through Friday. They get the assignment oh, okay. today. They hand it in on Friday because the teacher says a few times, like this week, we're going to be doing microeconomics. This week, you're going to pretend to be a married couple. And then Mitch and Gail have their open relationship on Thursday nights. And then there's one more school day after that. So I think it's a week in the life kind of an episode. Nice. Way to put that together. They had a few days to do research and then they had like one night to do their project. Very nice. This is taking a turn. It's a departure from the project. <laughs> what? <laughs> These Abby Kenny scenes are so... <laughs> Wait, there's this scene where he says, Abby, we should be doing our assignment. <laughs> she says, okay, you're bugging me. Can you just get out of my hair and go finish it? <laughs> my God. The way she says it is... <laughs> Oh my, God. <laughs> my favorite is when she got when he first comes over to them at lunch and they literally just got out of class and were assigned as partners and he's like hey abby she goes who are who are you she's so upset so funny when she can't remember oh my god i'm crying oh my god abby's so funny this episode when she says, who are you? Oh, my God, I forgot about that. That is so funny. <laughs> oh, I have tears. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Whew. Okay, wait, you were saying something about, oh, oh. were you talking about the landlord? No, no, this is a complete departure. Okay. The So in the middle of the episode, Gail comes home from work and she's dropped off by her coworker. Mitch is in the yard sanding a boat or something and <laughs> gail gets out of the car her co-worker gets out of the car her co-worker gets her briefcase out of the back seat hands it to her and then they kiss on the lips now it's a friendly interaction like it's like okay thanks thank you so much for the ride see you later like it's like a quick peck but who the hell is kissing their co-workers on the lips <laughs> I mean, I don't know what goes on at your office, but hang on. You just hang your horses. Do you think they kissed on the cheek? Are you going to look at it? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to look at it. Oh, God. oh my God. They do kiss on the lips. I 
no that it's is shocking a and, that's a little on the nose that's a little on the nose and especially if you had had an affair with a different coworker, wouldn't you button it up and stand six feet away and shake their hand like what oh it's just jeff from accounting or whoever the hell he is yeah i don't even know if i'd still work there <laughs> i i don't i don't know i get it when mitch is like I know that this was just a ride home, but there's no trust here. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I kind of get it. How- oh, absolutely. Also, this is the best that Mitch has ever looked. John Wesley, like his arms and the shirt. It's like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, he looks really good. Yeah. Dad. Definitely football player build. Daddy. Quarterback. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. It was it was a very on the nose, very heavy handed. Maybe if we were to remake it now, we would just he would just hand the briefcase, no kissing, no hugging. Mitch just has to see her getting dropped off by a man. Right. And it's just not realistic to me. If someone that I see every day at work, if I'm dropping off someone that I see every day at work, I'm staying in the driver's seat and being like, okay, bye. See you tomorrow. Right. It's not like a big to do. Yeah. I, I yeah. understand, though, from from the story perspective her car broke down and he went out of his way to drive her home so like maybe she's just very thankful but not not that thankful yeah a little totally kiss agree. on the lips wow i did not notice the kiss on the lips i really thought it was a hug crazy crazy what do you think about jen's bedside table lampshades matching her wallpaper oh man i didn't notice i'm gonna have to pull it up what a wild design choice wow wow yeah grams is going crazy grams is just putting that floral pattern on everything that's really something i know i miss the 90s i miss a wallpaper moment wallpaper's coming back in a big way i know but isn't it like (laughs) one one you do like one wall with wallpaper now and like the others are accent wall you know yeah i think it's i think it's swinging to a full wall to a full room situation i want full room wall to wall floor (laughs) floor ceiling lampshade wallpaper (laughs) and do you remember those banners those borders that used to put the top of the wallpaper (laughs) I want those to have a moment again. I don't I don't think we need those back. <laughs> I think those can stay in the 90s. I had a sunflower border around the top of my room. Oh my god, jealous. My parents haven't really redone our house, so I still have wallpaper in my room and I have a border and have a four-post bed, like a canopy bed. <laughs> wow. Remember when those had a moment? So you don't need anything. You just need to go home for a little while. Oh, yeah. Oh, to the style. No, my house is totally stuck in the 90s. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes back around. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> Hopefully. My favorite, you've already touched on it a little bit, but there were two quotes that I wrote down. One of them you already said in your recap, but Jen goes to Dawson's to finish the project and Abby basically says to her, look, this is it. This is your chance go all out, try to get Dawson. And Abby says to Jen, opportunity is not a lengthy visitor. I loved that quote. Loved. And then Jen is like, you know what? You're right. I'm just going to go for it and put the nail in the final nail in the coffin of this, like be done with it, whatever. So she goes, she's laying it on Dawson thick. He kind of calls her out for it. And she she asks if she can stay over. He says no. And when she's leaving she says i know you're with joey and i accept that but i don't respect it and i was like "Ooh, that was like the moment because it was like she had kind of been tinkering with and we all knew that she had like bad intentions and was trying to get him back but that's the moment where she's like no i'm fully leaning in i'm a villain now it was just so good and then she's like i want you to know that you have options and that i'm one of them and then she kisses him on the mouth yeah i loved both of those quotes the abby one about opportunity not being a lengthy guest i thought it was like very deep i was like oh my god mm-hmm. and yeah jen it was a little bit like jen still been on the line and abby was kind of trying to coax her over more 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 this episode and then yeah that final moment when she said that she was like um jumping over the line okay i'm in i also really liked when 
Joey and Dawson, Joey and Dawson are like making out and hanging out before Jen comes over for the final thing. And Jen comes over and she's in a, a dress she borrowed from Abby. Like it's like a very, she looks very dressed up and Joey goes, nice dress. And Jen says, thanks. I borrowed it. And Joey goes, yeah, I bet. <laughs> like Je- yeah. Joey's just like, Joey's playing it very cool in this episode, I think. Yeah, I really loved that interaction. It was brief, but it was just really, these two girls still hate each other. Yeah. Which is great. It's a real push and pull. Jen was on top. Now Joey's on top. Yeah, it's great. That was the little tete-a-tete I referenced earlier. I just love that little interaction. Very pithy. (laughs) I think that's mostly everything from my list. Do you have anything else? No, I don't think so. It was was just, it was a really solid episode. It was a great episode. I would, I would watch this one for sure. Because when the episode's skippable, we'll be like, "Eh, you don't have to. No, this is a great one. It establishes a lot of the dynamics. It shows, like, I feel like it's a really good Abby Jen episode, a really good, like, Jack Foundation episode of, like, still still those baby steps, but really building his character slowly. It's a good Dawson Joey episode. It's a good Pacey Andy episode. Great Pacey Andy episode. Yeah. This is the first time we kind of learned that there's more to Andy's story than she's let on, that her clothes and her sob are letting on there's more there and we'll learn all about it we will learn more about it and also tamara is back bitches oh my gosh yes how have we not touched on this tamara is back she's creeping she's watching from her car and i love that this is like something that happens often in tv shows but if there's a surprise guest or like a surprise character come back they'll put the credit at the end so normally her credit would be up front but this time it was Kevin Williamson's credit at the end and Paul Stupin. And then special guest star, Leanne Hunley. Leanne Hunley. Yeah. It was a cliffhanger. It was. Andy and Pacey are having a really cute little, you know, flirty, jabby moment that they have so often in these early episodes. And she's watching. She's back. She has some unfinished business. Shall we do a creek speak? Let's do a creek speak. So this creek speak is from an Instagram account called at the real Capeside. Erin Lynn, she says, thank you for sharing your pod. I just started rewatching Dawson's Creek again and decided to listen to a rewatch podcast while I watched. Yours is my favorite one I found. I appreciate your insight. I wanted to share some pictures with you. I live in Wilmington, North Carolina, where DC was filmed. I made an Instagram account a few years ago to share some of the sites. I thought you all may enjoy seeing some of the spots where they filmed. My family ended up moving here in 2012, partially due to my love of Dawson's Creek. Oh my God. We visited in 2007 when we moved to Fayetteville and visited frequently after that because I fell in love with the city. My husband ended up getting a job here in 2012 and we have loved every minute of living here. Enjoy. Thanks again for all you do. She does. I think she does like side by sides. Like she'll show the screen cap from the show. Like, oh, Oh, fun. Yeah, this was the, you know. Ice house dock, and then this is what it looks like now. It's cool. That is cool. I was gonna ask if you wrote that review because you talk about how much you love Cape Side. <laughs> I do. I really do. Maybe I should move there. Maybe you should. That was fun. Um, I, I'm definitely gonna check that out. That's awesome. So now it is time for Dawson's draft. Dawson's draft. This segment really stresses me out every week. <laughs> We've been getting really good feedback on it, actually. People are very engaged. People are very upset with our picks. Some people are very happy with our picks. Well, that's why it stresses me out because I watched a ton of TV, but I didn't watch all the teen shows. So I feel like you have such a good knowledge base of all of these teen shows and I don't. And people are like, what about One Tree Hill? I've had friends like text me and be like, why didn't you pick One Tree Hill for best series? And I'm like, because I didn't watch it. I don't know. I can't believe we didn't even mention One Tree Hill in the honorable mentions. (laughs) I just kind of forgot about it, which is crazy. One Tree Hill was my life for like the first five or six years. Then I fell off and then I binged the end. It stayed good. I mean, not as good, but it was a good, it went for like 10 years, 10 seasons. It was crazy. an impressive feat. And then we also got a message. uh, Maybe we'll read these in some future Creek Speaks, but um, the Walshes. How were the Walshes not best TV parents? Oh my gosh. Yeah. They are a good pick for best parents. I mean, it's not easy to raise Brenda Walsh. 
that's the beauty of Dawson's draft. It is what it is. You know, it's a tight five and it's based on our opinions. So this week, the category is best leading men characters, not actors. Yes. And we decided we would do like an hour long space. So it basically can't be like a sitcom character. Yeah. I kind of tried to focus a little more towards teen shows. Me too. That's just where my mind goes. Yeah. So you're up first this week. Oh boy. Okay. I am going to take Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights. I love Matt Saracen. Matt Saracen is the nicest, cutest, good boy. He just wants to make everyone happy. He takes care of his grandmother. He's a good boyfriend. He's a good student. He's a good kid. He's a hard worker. I just love Matt Saracen. He's great. I'm horrifically shocked that you did not pick Pacey. (laughs) I love Pacey, but Pacey has flaws. Matt Saracen also has flaws, but I think Matt Saracen is just such a good, like he just is good. And so that's why he's my number one. He's pure. And his relationship with his grandmother is so cute. And the grandmother is so cute. She should have been on your best guardian list. (laughs) she he was her guardian let's be honest so my number one pick is also from friday night lights which is crazy (laughs) oh it's one of two people in my head i'm sure it's one of them who is it it's tim riggins yeah obviously i mean i just there was something about how flawed and dark and angsty he was and of course a lot of that had to do with the actor i mean he's amazing as well but that is so weird that we both picked friday night lights people it is. And he was he was number three on my list, Tim Riggins. He's just such a good character. He goes on such a good journey. And I feel like even though he has his flaws and he's, you know, he just has a lot of issues from how he grew up. He, his heart is good. Like his heart is always good and his heart is always in the right place. Even if he's like stealing something, you're like, but, you know, I don't know how to describe it. Yeah, he's an interesting character to watch. And I did like his journey, like you said. Okay, I think for number two... You've already spoiled it, but I will take Pacey Witter <laughs> for reasons that everyone knows. He's the best. Let's be honest. He is the best. And he, much like Tim Riggins, he has some issues from how he grew up and how he was treated by the people who raised him. But he is ultimately a good guy and just the cutest. So for my number two, there'll be a theme on my list, I think, which is like brooding, troubled. Okay. It, but but I find I find them interesting, but I'm going to go with honestly, this is probably a weird pick, but I'm going to go with Dylan McKay from 90210 because he just always had the best drama going on. He was kind of like the bad boy, heart of gold. Sure. Loved him and Brenda. Loved when he slept with Kelly. That <gasps> Kelly Brenda Dylan triangle is still like rent free in my mind. <laughs> and he got with Valerie. Then his dad was blown up on the pier. And his dad is now in Days of Our Lives. So I think about it almost every day. And he's just, it's Dylan McKay. I, I have like a dark, brooding kind of a leading man fetish. I don't know what it is, but yeah, that'll be a recurring theme on my list. Yeah. <laughs> it's very funny because I have the opposite. It seems I have like the dorky. <laughs> nice guy sidekick kind of theme and i will continue that with my third pick who is seth cohen i love seth cohen he's another one that much like pacey he definitely wasn't a sidekick but had kind of that secondary to a stronger male character in the beginning and then kind of took off onto his own i just love him i think he's so cute i think he's he's just lovable i mean seth cohen's amazing he's so funny when people think, when you think of the OC, you think of Seth Cohen. Yeah, I do. Let's yeah, be for sure. Seth and Summer. Yeah. Remember Anna? Oh my God. <laughs> I love a love triangle. Save it for our OC podcast. Well, <laughs> since we're going on that, you know, trajectory, my number three, I'm going to pick Ryan Atwood. Oh. Which, again, this is, this is just going to be a very angsty, brooding kind of a list for me. I love those characters, but. Ryan Atwood, I think, was very funny. He didn't really say a lot. Like, Ben McKenzie did a really good job of just delivering those, like, one-word, very short dialogues. 
And I liked that he was like, not chauvinistic, but he definitely had that traditional male energy where he was always saving Marissa. And I feel like people don't like that nowadays. It's like kind of taboo. Like, you know, women are strong and can save themselves. But I really like how Ryan was always saving Marissa when she OD'd in TJ. And oh. when when she got ran off the road and died, <laughs> spoiler alert, when he carried her to um, Hallelujah by Rufus Wainwright. Mm. And um, I just love Ryan Atwood. I, I can't explain it. It's something, something about the actor show music everything just kind of lined up like it did with Dawson's I just I love Ryan Atwood well I'm gonna take a little bit of a turn not at all it's still very much so exactly where we've been but to an older character who is also everything to me and that's Eric Taylor Eric Taylor is the best man I just I wanted him to adopt me I wanted him to divorce Tammy Taylor and be with me. I wanted him to... Oh my God, not a foster dad husband situation. (laughs) He is just a good man. He's a good man. He's got a strong foundation. He takes care of his family. He (laughs) takes care of his kids on his team. All I can think about is that TikTok audio trend where it's like, he's a good man, Savannah. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good man. I love him, but I will say something that I really like about Eric and Tammy, which I didn't say last time when you picked them for best parents. What I'm really triggered by nowadays is when they're when shows try to give storylines to married couples and it's just an affair. It's so overdone now and it's like so unmotivated half the time. And I just like that they didn't have Eric or Tammy like cheat or do anything weird or He was just a good character and they never had to do any of that forced marriage drama stuff with him. You know, it was just good. Love him. So for my number four, I'm going to go with Jess from Gilmore Girls. And I'll tell you why. Okay. So that is Milo Ventimiglia's character. So Rory had basically like three love interests throughout the show. And I'm team Jess. And I feel like he just kept Rory real. He kept Rory in line. Rory's kind of a brat. And, you know, he made it, he made her go to Yale. Like he always kept Rory like true to herself and realized when she was acting out of character. And his relationship with his uncle on that show is very funny. He's Jess. Again, dark, brooding, interesting. So I'm torn. This is my last pick. And I'm torn. And I think I'm going to go to a newer show. This person was definitely not a leading character for the first few seasons. Definitely more of a secondary character. But I feel like they've stepped into kind of equal status as the rest of the ensemble cast. And I just love the where their character has gone. I am going to pick Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. <gasps> You're not going to believe this, but he was on my list. No way! Yes. I did not think in a million years you would pick him. It's his journey. It's his journey. Yeah, it is. And his little relationship with Dustin is Mm -hmm. so cute. And obviously, they're coming into love triangle territory with him, Nancy, and Jonathan. And he's just super interesting. He has, again, a good heart. And I love him. I just love him. But started as the villain. Yeah. So not as pure as your other four. No, that's true. But he has a good arc. So I had four people left over that I was going to kind of choose from for my fifth spot. And Steve was one of them. So that makes that easier. And since you kind of went for a bad boy turned good, I think I'm going to also make my fifth pick more of a standout than my other four. I love how much thought we put into this. I know. Who cares? (laughs) Uh, So I'm going to go with Noel from Felicity. Okay. Played by Scott Foley. Noel is just such a good guy. Scott Foley helps, you know, the unrequited love that he had for Felicity. I know you've never seen it. It just lasted. It was, that was such a good triangle, such a good integral part of the series. And he's a great character. Very funny, but very good at the drama too. You always rooted for him, but you're like, I think Felicity should be with Ben, but I love Noel. I love when shows pull that off. It's It's not as clear cut. That's kind of how I feel about the summer I turned pretty. Like, I don't have an allegiance to any side right now. Anyway, I just love Noel. Wow, we did it. We did it, Joe. We did it. Leading men. My leading men are Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights, Dylan McKay from 902 and now, Ryan Atwood from The O.C., 
Jess from Gilmore Girls, and Noel from Felicity. And mine are Matt Saracen from Friday Night Lights, Pacey Witter from Dawson's Creek, Seth Cohen from The O.C., Eric Taylor from Friday Night Lights, and Steve Harrington from Stranger Things. I have to tell you, I brought this topic up to producer Beth, who helps us with a lot of things behind the scenes, and her immediate thought was Logan Eccles from Veronica Mars. So I just wanted to put that out as a honorable mention. Well, so funny you should say that because... Was he on your list? <laughs> so the two that I didn't use that I were going to use if you pick them or my honorable mentions are Spike from Buffy and Logan Eccles from Veronica Mars. But they are, they're in that angsty brooding kind of a category. And since you went for a outlier for your fifth, I went for an outlier for mine. But sure. uh, Logan Eccles, his journey is unreal. And I mean, I can't even talk about how it ended, how the last season ended. That I plan to watch that one one day. It's a great series. Well, speaking of planning to watch, what you watching? What you watching? So I actually am not watching much that I haven't already talked about. But to get into the Halloween spirit, I started season two of Chucky, which just dropped on Peacock. Oh. And it was on sci-fi originally. That show, I mean, I can't even say it's good. I don't even know what's happening on it. It's just, it's insane. <laughs> it's in, It's very campy, obviously. And just if you want a funny show. It makes me laugh. It's just like take an edible and just kind of kick back and just watch Chucky. It kind of puts you in the Halloween spirit, but it's also like funny and crazy. And Devin Sawa is playing his third character. It's only in its second season. Season one, he played twins. But in this season, he's just like a new character. It's like and Chucky, the spirit of Chucky, like the evil spirit is now in like every Chucky doll in America. So like there's hundreds of Chucky's this season and it's uh, it's just insane but it's fun I know we've talked about this on the pod before but we used to go on a yearly trip around Labor Day and we would watch Scream together as a group and then that would kind of kick off the fall viewing and ever since I moved away from California I feel like I start my Halloween viewing so much later so that might be a good thing to kind of like kick it off yeah it's a fun little Halloween appetizer amuse-bouge if you will <laughs> well, I'm not really watching anything, but I am reading a book. It's called Outlive by Peter Atia. He's just a super interesting, super knowledgeable guy with a background in medicine. And he talks about longevity and looking at where you want to be when you're in your 70s and 80s and what you want to be able to do, which for most people is just like play with my grandchildren or be able to walk up and down the stairs and have like a functioning body and mind. And then creating the strength, habits, diet, and everything now that you need to be ahead of that target because every year you lose a certain amount of muscle and bone density and all this stuff. I think it's really interesting and it's very digestible and like in layman's terms in a way that most of these books are like... Overwhelming. The language is like... Yeah. And can't understand it. Yeah. I was just talking about that because um, like... My parents are kind of going through that. Their muscles are stiff. They can't walk as much. They can't move as much. And people I tell are like, why don't they just like go for a walk? Or like, why don't they just work out? And I'm just like, it's too late. Like they're, right. they're 75. You're not going to get your body to start working like that. All of a sudden, if you don't stretch for 20 years, you can all of a sudden at 75, just get your body back into, you know, shape and have that mobility. It's just talking about that. Yeah. It's interesting. And he, he, another thing he really talks about is like, we as a society in America focus on length of life, but not necessarily quality of life in those last 10 years, say. So it's like, yeah, we want people to live to be 85, 90, but we're not focusing on setting them up for success in that last decade. So oftentimes they can't do the hobbies that they used to love. It's really now that we have gotten physical bodies to live longer. We need to focus on how to make people's quality of life better in those mm -hmm. last decade slash decades. Keep your mind sharp and your body loose. Yeah. Thinking about now at 38, 40, like we need to be thinking, we need to be investing in our 80 year old selves or we won't have them. And like being proactive now, because by the time you realize, like you're saying, if you can't walk around the block, you can't walk around the block. Yeah. You're not going to be like, man, I, man, I should walk yeah, around the block. It's, that's, 
I'm kind of living it right now. Anyway, I would recommend it. I'm listening to it, but you could obviously buy the physical book. And if you're interested in the stuff, but don't want to listen to the whole book, he's done a ton of podcasts. So you can always Google Peter Atia, A-T-T-I-A, and you can hear like little snippets about that stuff. Nice. Tell me what is the Dawson's drink for next week? So next week, episode 204 is Tamara's Return. And we will be drinking the teacher's pet. You will need spiced rum, apple cider, ginger ale, and a lime. That sounds really good. Yeah, I know. It does sound really good. And it sounds very fall to me. All right. So that was episode 203, Alternative Lifestyles. We'll be back next week with 204 Tomorrow's Return. Peace out. Bye.